it's an exciting time to be talking about football because obviously, as we all know what we're here to talk about, it's not the football game that's happening in a few days. That would be pretty cool, especially for Eric. Your Cincinnati Bengals are in it. But no, you're already looking forward to next year. We are looking at your drafts that are going to be starting six months from now because we can't help ourselves. We're fantasy football fiends. We already started our two early mock draft. Did that on Monday, and we're here to talk about everything that you're going to need to know for your drafts next year. Nothing's going to change between now and then. All of the valuations will stay the same. Uh, So this is going to be incredibly helpful information. Eric Smith, our fearless leader. Why are we why are we looking at 2022 already? Well, um, I mean, why wouldn't we be? Uh, it's like, you know, if your favorite team um, isn't in the Super Bowl, what are you going to be spending your time on right now? So I'm living the Super Bowl life, uh, depending on whether you listen to this podcast before or after the Super Bowl. Uh, maybe you can laugh at me how this game went, but I'm excited to watch the Bengals. But now I'm always excited to talk fantasy football. And it's kind of cool to just see before all the free agency happens, before all the draft picks happen. Uh, before maybe, you know, Hall of Fame quarterbacks change teams. I'm just trying to guess right now on where these players are going to end up. So it's just, uh, you know, by the time we get to the draft um, in August, it's it's pretty set in stone where these guys are going. And now's the time where you really get to have fun with it and reach on some players and just, uh, you know, kind of surprise the people drafting behind you. All right. And foolishly joining us in this endeavor to do a mock draft in February and, and prepare for the 2022 fantasy season, Ryan Heath getting dragged down into the abyss. You know, what What were you looking forward to once this mock draft started? I was looking forward to showing everybody how well-adjusted I am and how not fixated I am on this hobby. I, it's a totally normal thing to be doing fantasy football serious analysis and mock drafts in February. Not even for, like, Dynasty, not even for any formats that people are actually paying attention to this time of year. Just straight-up redraft, like three wide receiver, PPR, one QB, just a totally run-of-the-mill fantasy football format that we are extremely early on. Yeah, and I think the only thing crazier than than doing a mock draft, because mock drafting's fun, right? You We can draft anything anytime, anywhere. Uh, let's be real. I mean, I honestly, I'll tell you, I've seen on my Twitter feed, fruit drafts, historical figures, drafts. Uh, all, I mean, you can, we can draft whatever we could do. We could turn this podcast probably into a draft of TV shows without even having to think about it. We could just do, it. I mean, it'd be a good time. However, what's not as much fun and what can be very difficult uh, is doing rankings. And so I don't know what kind of a, you know, what, what kind of person would be subjecting themselves to doing rankings this time of year. Uh, but anyway, uh, Eric, is anything coming out on QBList.com uh, anytime soon? <laughs> yeah, rankings are miserable this time of the year, so uh, they're pushed back a little bit. So look for them around the Super Bowl. Uh, it'll either be the Friday before or the Monday after, but uh, surprisingly difficult to rank receivers when you don't know who their quarterback is. So yes, I will have my way too early rankings out. I just want to make sure they're in good shape before I get them out there. So keep an eye out on that, QBList.com, as always. Man, you do yourself a favor and don't don't publish them the Monday after the Super Bowl. Like even <laughs> if they're ready to go, like give yourself a day, whether whether in you know, whether you're happy or sad, give yourself a day to process, you know, the the Super Bowl uh that you know your Bengals this is your I believe the first time in your lifetime that they've you know made it this far into the playoffs, or at the very least first time since you were, you know, a weed wee small child. So 
Uh, give, yeah. you know, give, give yourself that. Give yourself a day. <laughs> it's going to take me months to process what just happened here. So it, it already seems uh, Im- impossible. Whatever universe uh, alternate reality we slipped into, you know, five years ago or whatever, when all this craziness started, uh, we're definitely still there because Bengals in the Super Bowl this year is just uh, baffling to me still. Yeah, Ryan, any uh, any tips from someone who's actually seen their team play in a Super Bowl? I can't comment. Uh, a- any tips for the Monday after? Uh, I would say take work off because you're either gonna <laughs> you're either gonna be feeling really great uh, that the team won, and your head might not feel great. But <laughs> other than that, you'll be feeling great and you'll want to take the time off and kind of relax. Or you might need a day to just kind of wallow in the anger and the self-pity that's going to come with the bad result. So, yeah, I, I think days off work after the Super Bowl are always good. It should honestly be a national holiday. Yeah, I think I think every year uh, on that Monday after there's a lot of very, very low key, very quiet tweets sent out about why isn't today a holiday? Why are you shouting? Please turn that light off. Uh, also, Pedialyte. That was going to be my, my tip. Pedialyte helps. That's always a good one. Uh, all right. <laughs> Moving away from hangover cures to like actual football, which is what we came here to talk about. Uh, let's looking ahead to the 2022 season. Um, you know, we did this mock draft. We did it uh, Monday night with 12 QB list staff members. Um, you know, a, a 13 round mock. We did not have defense. We don't have kickers. Um, I, I think the the current theory is that we don't have kickers because otherwise, Eric, you would have drafted Evan McPherson in the first mm-hmm. round. Yep. Uh, but uh, otherwise, a pretty standard lineup, um, as Ryan mentioned at the top of the show, three wide receivers, uh, one wide receiver, or one quarterback, one flex, um, you know, pretty standard lineup PPR league. So um, what was something what, what's the first kind of lesson just right off the top of your head that you learned while doing this draft? I mean, it's always running back. Um, Everyone's going to try to jam in the running backs in the first two rounds. But I I think what's different this year is that a lot of those running backs we've been drafting for years and years and years and just kind of got to fall back on, not even think about your pick, you know, just take uh, Ezekiel Elliott or Dalvin Cook or Alvin Kamara. Uh, All of a sudden, these guys are getting up there into their age 27 season. They've got a lot of miles on on the tires here. And it's scary picking these guys. Derrick Henry's coming off of an injury. So kind of our fallback options for the last several years are big question marks now. And with some injuries to the younger running backs, there's just, uh, you get past the top, you know, your favorite four or five running backs and it starts getting scary. So I wonder if some more people are going to be forced into zero RB this year, or at least, you know, kind of modified version of it. But um, it's, uh, it's not the most encouraging time to draft a running back in the second round, I would say. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, I feel similarly. I think there's about 15 running backs that you can really consider drafting in like the first two rounds, but there's maybe four or five of them that I'm not absolutely terrified to select. So I do think that I'm going to be leaning more wide receiver heavy this year, especially if I'm in the back half of the draft order. Well, so every every year it feels like uh, there's that group, as you mentioned, Eric, a group of running backs up at the front. There's always like that cluster. This year there were six running backs um, as the first six picks off the board. That may not be the case uh, in in every draft, but I'm I'm assuming that some combination of these six running backs will be, you know, the first three, first four picks of every draft before someone decides I'm going to be the guy that takes Devontae Adams or Justin Jefferson or Cooper Cup or whoever that that wide receiver one is going to be. Um, you know, this year. I think uh, I think last year there was about five. We had about five running backs that 
any any order it was McCaffrey first and then after that it was like whatever order you want to go you know be your you know go with whatever you wanted to there um do you feel that same way this year is is it kind of wide open at the top of of it you know any of these guys can go in any order or do you feel as though there's certain running backs that do have that legit claim to like the number one pick yeah so for me I, I think the only two for number one for me are Jonathan Taylor or Christian McCaffrey I really just comes down to risk reward there. Um, I I think we can get into more of that later. But for me, the the clear top three for me are Taylor McCaffrey and Austin Eckler, actually. And Eckler goes sixth in our draft. So I think that that tells you that it's going to be pretty jumbled at the top. Uh, For me, the reason I like Eckler is we mentioned these age 27 running backs. Um, Ezekiel Elliott has uh, 1,938 career touches in his career. Um, Derrick Henry is actually... 28 has 1,495 career touches. Kamara is up to 1,285. Dalvin Cook is at 1,200. Um, Nick Chubb only has 1,000 career touches, but he hasn't been that elite running back. But then Austin Eckler, only 889 career touches at age 27. So uh, he's just a lot fresher than those running backs are. And in a PPR league, his receptions are going to be huge. Um, He just has a receiving volume that most of those guys are not even going to sniff, especially with some of Austin Kamara's off-field situation coming up. So um, for me, Eckler is the clear third. And then I think it gets real uh, confusing after that. But I'm not sure that everyone's going to fall on board just because Eckler is a smaller back and, you know, all that. So for me, clear top three, those are the three. Um, But I, I think we can get into it more. McCaffrey and Taylor are the one or the two for me in just about every draft. Yeah, I agree. McCaffrey Taylor, Taylor McCaffrey is going to be the one and the two. I personally lean McCaffrey for reasons we might get into later. I actually think it's a top four at the top, though. I agree on Austin Eckler, but I really think Najee Harris deserves consideration there in that first tier. I mean, unlike most of these guys, he has relative youth on his side. He was just very productive. I mean, I can't imagine that the Pittsburgh offense is going to be much worse than it was with Big Ben this year. I, they were throwing the ball a lot. Maybe they go even more run heavy. Harris has shown that he can command a significant target share. I, he just belongs in that tier for me. And it, it's after those four that I would really start to just lean toward wide receiver and avoid all the older running backs. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, so I mean, McCaffrey and Taylor, uh, interestingly, uh, Taylor is the only running back in Fantasy Pros ECR who was ranked uh, number uh, first overall. Um, everyone else is fighting for second place, and that's uh, between McCaffrey, uh, Derek Henry, actually, and uh, Najee Harris is the other ones who were ranked uh, two overall. Um, Dalvin Cook, uh, right, th- right there as well, getting ranked third on a handful of ballots as well. So, uh, you know, for fantasy pros, expert consensus ranking, Jonathan Taylor is the only person with that claim to the first spot. But, you know, like I said, there's a cluster of about four running backs there right behind him. So, you know, we don't need to quibble too much about who's going, you know, which spot in the top five. We've got six more months before uh, and a lot of stuff will shake out. You mentioned Najee Harris, uh, Ryan, but, you know, Big Ben's not going to be the quarterback there in Pittsburgh. Um, does having a different quarterback potentially change Najee Harris's value? If it's a quarterback who doesn't check down his running backs ever, you know, Harris did get quite a bit of, of target share there in Pittsburgh. So um, not that, I mean, Harris is a young running back. He'll do fine, but it's just these things that we have no idea, you know, what's going to change between now and August, but those are probably a good uh, top five. Now it, you mentioned, you know, the running back. Well, I guess we'll talk about running back because obviously it's a very important position. Um, something interesting 
in this draft that I want to point out. Uh, and, and by the way, the link to the draft board will be in the notes in this po- uh, podcast note. So you can click on it and, and see the whole board for yourself. Um, in the first round, eight running backs were selected. Uh, in the second round, six running backs were selected. In the third round, four running backs. In the fourth round, two. And then in the fifth round, one running back. So I don't know what exactly to make of that other than as you mentioned, Eric, you know, a lot of running backs at the top, people trying to get their running back position squared away. And then, you know, this RB dead zone that has existed in years past, um, we don't have one here. And I don't know if it's because we pushed everyone up to the point that all of the dead zone running backs are getting picked even earlier. Uh, or if you, if we were just smart enough to push them all down, uh, but there's really not a lot of running backs selected through rounds three through five. Um, and as someone who went zero RB, um, you know, is that something that you have to account for? Well, a few things this early, I mean, we don't have the rookie running backs coming in yet. So obviously that's going to shoot two or three up in that range. Uh, we also have some running backs that are free agents. We're not sure what's going to happen to them. Like Leonard Fournette, uh, Rashad Penny, um, both of the Cardinals running backs, James Connor, um, you know, Chase Edmonds, there's just, there are some that are going to shoot up as these roles get more developed. We don't know if JK Dobbins is going to be fully back yet. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he'll be on the field, but so there's just a lot of question marks and you do hit a range of receivers where there's a lot of depth. And I think that's why everyone went that way. But uh, there are a lot of teams that still want two running backs in the first two rounds. You can see we had, I believe five different teams take two running backs in the first two rounds. So yep. that really pushes them up. And people know if you don't get one of those running backs in the first two, uh, you're probably missing out on the studs. So um, I, I think Ryan got an interesting one in the third round. He's going to be a talk a lot of uh, up for a lot of debate this year in Saquon Barkley, and I think it's really good value for him. But um, yeah, it's just kind of a race to get your two. And those teams like myself and maybe Ryan who are willing to take receivers early, we're just waiting for the values to fall. Yeah, I'll kind of echo that. I think you want to take the risk on at least one running back because as we've discussed before, they're very high ceiling plays. But I think Saquon Barkley is like the last guy that you can hope for as your RB1. Right now, he's in the top of the third round, according to expert consensus. I kind of expect that to go up higher, especially as we get more clarity around what the Giants offense is going to be looking like this season. Um, But he's somebody that I think is going to be a value this year. He's still very young. We've seen him have insane seasons before. I, I think if he's healthy, then this is just going to be a slam dunk pick. Yeah, interestingly, so he's a, a running back 14, um, and it's it's kind of an interesting set of names around him. Um, so Antonio Gibson, one above him, and then David Montgomery and Aaron Jones, um, both below him. I think all four running backs uh, have quite a high ceiling, and we've seen that ceiling, but they also have a lot of risk. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with that Chicago offense, and it's just it's Chicago. So it's just a lot of risk. Antonio Gibson, we've seen the ceiling. We've also seen the floor and we've seen the injury risk. Um, Aaron Jones, you know, who's going to be his quarterback? Aaron Rodgers still going to be his quarterback. Um, and so there's just a lot, I think, of, of risk there. Uh, you know, is Barkley your favorite of those four, Ryan? I would say that I like him over Montgomery. I think I probably have him about even with Antonio Gibson. I, I think both of them offer similar upside. Um, Gibson obviously didn't quite do what we wanted this year, even with some opportunity with McKissick being injured. 
Um, but you again, you can maybe chalk a lot of that up to the offense. They were really using him as a workhorse. He's seeing 20 plus touches, especially in the second half of the season, but it just wasn't really translating into fantasy production all that often. So I could see him putting the pieces together. Yeah, fantasy production or real production. Uh, <laughs> I think he ran into a lot of defenders a lot of the time. Um, now, uh, kind of going a little bit bigger picture with running back again here real quick. So, you know, a lot of times when you kind of think about how you're going to build your team, I think the big question is, what do you want your team to look like after six rounds? Um, you know, are you going to be the team that gets a quarterback or a tight end during those first six rounds? Because um, that's where you're going to have to pick them if you want someone that is, if I mean, if you want an elite, quarterback or tight end you're picking them in the first three maybe first four rounds um if you want someone that you definitely can walk away from your draft and say i feel really great about their situation and about where they're going to land you probably have to take them in the first six rounds maybe first seven rounds for quarterback um how many running backs do you for sure want on your roster through those first six rounds um is this a case of for we have some teams uh, like Mark Salazar, who came out of that sixth round and only had one running back. Ryan, you only had two. Um, and you have some other teams that came out of there with as many as four running backs. Um, looking at the draft, looking at how these teams ended up, um, is there a sweet spot for you? Yeah, I I like to have two, I think, out of that that first six rounds. I, I picked it 111. Um, I started out with Tyreek Hill at 111. And Mixon went right after me at 112. And then I took Jamar Chase back at the second pick of the second round. Um, in hindsight, I may have wanted to take Mixon there and then take a, uh, either Chase or Tyreek Hill on the way back because I did kind of think that uh, Mixon was the end of kind of a tier of running back. But um, I, I think it's two. I was able to get Aaron Jones and Elijah Mitchell in the third and fourth round. I think if that's Joe Mixon and Elijah Mitchell, I'm just fine and happy with that. I got Aaron Jones just because of a little bit of safety. I know, I don't, not sure what his ceiling is now, but I am pretty confident if, if Aaron Rodgers is there, he's going to give you startable weeks on a consistent basis. So uh, personally, um, we'll get more into quarterback and tight end, but I am waiting this year and I would try to go four receivers and two running backs in those first six rounds. I mean, you don't want to force it, um, but I just, I don't think there's a depth there at running back to take three. I, I think you're just kind of overdoing it. And there's some dark throws later on that you can kind of build your depth at running back. So just to kind of go back to what you just said about not having the depth to take three, if you wanted to target running back early, so you target a wide receiver, both of you went wide receiver, wide receiver um, in the first two rounds. So we got a couple of zero RB teams here to discuss this, but um, you know, we had teams like Justin Herrera who went for Najee Harris, Javante Williams, and Josh Jacobs in the first three rounds. Um, we also, I don't think we saw any other teams um, taking three running backs in those first six. Um, actually uh, Matt Bevins with Dalvin cook, David Montgomery and Leonard Fournette. So you could see a team decide to go, you know, like Kamara and Elliott in the first two rounds and then grab, uh, a Michael Carter in the sixth round. Like, is that something that you don't feel like would be a, a good strategy um, if you targeted running back a little bit earlier? I mean, it's not that I think it's bad, but we do see receivers start to get pretty thin there around the sixth, seventh, eighth round. And, you know, some people are filling out like, you know, their third receiver is uh, Rashad Bateman or Gabriel Davis. I mean, they're players with upside, but um, there's a lot, a lot of growing that needs to happen for them to be dependable every week fantasy players. So, right. you know, I was able to get Brandon Cooks as my wide receiver four. I know he's not everyone's favorite player in the world, but he's produced like 15 point per game uh, season or, you know, seasons for the past three years. He's just a steady receiver. So um, I don't know. I, I think that depth at receiver, we still see injuries at receiver. Uh, it comes in handy when you have a flex spot. 
and you can come up with these waiver wire guys later on or take a shot on, you know, some of these free agents changing teams for running backs. So I still like to have an extra receiver just because they're so dependable. Well, and you have a flex spot, so you could start four wide receivers, especially in a PPR league. Um, Ryan, what about you? So you also a very similar strategy to Eric in that you, after six rounds had four wide receivers and two running backs, you know, seeing the way your draft ended up, do you feel like that was the right, uh, distribution? Do you wish that you had taken another running back in there somewhere, or do you wish you'd gone the other way and taken even fewer running backs? Yeah, I think it was the right way to go. I think two running backs, four receivers is a pretty good ratio um, because I'll I'll echo what Eric said. After about round six, receiver really dries up. I think it's nice to have those three starting receivers and a flex in there. I got Tyler Lockett in the fifth round. Tyler Lockett's always undervalued every single year. So I'll cool rolling with him. I don't even think you need two running backs through six. I think it's fine to just have one. I really, after you get to Saquon Barkley, I don't see all that big of a difference between like the Elijah Mitchells of the world versus like, I don't know, the Devin Singletary's that are going like four to five rounds later. So I I really think once you're past that first tier of running back, hopefully you came out with at least one. Uh, th- then you can just kind of wait for a while. There, there's plenty of guys, at least right now, when there aren't guys getting pushed up sort of into the RB dead zone without a lot of clarity about some of their situations. Right, yeah. I mean, as we get more clarity on who has a back a backfield to themselves or uh, a rookie coming in, screwing up someone's, uh, you know, if let's say the Raiders draft a, a high running back, not that they're going to, but, you know, that that changes the valuation on a guy like Josh Jacobs um, or if New England drafts a running back. Um, I was going to say if New England drafts a wide receiver, but then we all know they wouldn't be very good, so it doesn't matter. Uh, let's. You mentioned that, like, where cliffs start to drop off for you. Um, for you, Saquon Barkley being the last, you know, running back that you feel comfortable um, kind of anchoring your team with. Uh, Eric, where do you feel like the cliff really falls off at running back? Um, and, and not just necessarily that first tier, but where do you feel that, like, the second tier of kind of, I don't know, interesting type of players that you want to take that chance on you know your aj dillons eli mitchells michael carters where does where do those two tiers drop off for you yeah so i think i'm in about in the same range i mean i've got saquon as like my rb11 um i I think when i get to rb14 i have cam Akers at 14 i'm not as high on him as a lot are um that could change drastically by the time the season starts but once you get in that range you're talking Akers, jones i mean it's crazy seeing ezekiel elliott this late but um, it's just running backs are getting up there in age and they're just a lot scarier to draft this year. So I think it's in that 14 to 20 range where after that, um, it really falls off a cliff. Like I actually, I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire, it was a nice value in this draft. He goes in the, I believe seventh round, 7.5 he goes, um, but still he's like RB 20 for me. And uh, that's not great. Like he, he's, he's left a lot to be desired these first two years. So once you're getting into the twenties, it really falls off a cliff. And then um, I, there's still some players I'm interested though, well into the thirties. Um, you know, there's like the Devin Singletary types, the ETN is probably going to be higher for some, uh, even Daryl Henderson is kind of a hedge on acres or whatever. So there's still some depth in there in the thirties, but once you get past about 32, 33, there's not a whole lot left. So rookie running backs will help that. Some of these guys getting signed to free agent deals will help that, but it's a solid, like, um, top 15. And then, uh, we're kind of waiting on some of these situations to develop. All right. So, so, uh, finish this at filling these blanks for me, Eric. I, at the end of my draft, I want to draft X number of my top Y running backs. 
I would say I would just want to get one of my top 13-ish, honestly. Like I just I just want an anchor running back that I feel pretty good about. And you're going to have to take more risk on someone like Javante Williams or um, even Antonio Gibson, but I do think they have upside. So I just want one anchor running back in my top few tiers. Um, ideally, you get a top eight, but depending on where you draft, you might not be able to get that. Okay, and then if you get – so let's say you get that one guy of your top 13, then how many of your next top whatever – are you wanting to target to feel good about your team coming out of the draft? So I do think I maybe forced it a little bit getting Aaron Jones at 311 because I do like uh, Elijah Mitchell at 4.2. Um, Rashad Penny, if he goes to a good team in free agency, he's not going to be there at 7.11. But um, I got him at 7.11 and Chase Edmonds at 8.2. Like I think those are running backs with upside. Edmonds is a pass catcher. So I still think there's some depth there um, that you can take cheap shots on. So I don't know. I just want that one locked in one and then probably try to get two to three other shots, probably before RB30, um, but just get okay. a couple there to back it up. It's just I had a lot of teams last year where I got Camara and then not a whole lot in the second spot. And I pieced that position together all year and I loaded up receiver and I had a lot of success in those leagues. So that's kind of what I'm usually going for. One locked in running back and we'll figure out RB2. A little bit of that that hero RB that that really yeah. took off uh, last year. Um, I mean, I'm, that strategies existed forever, but the name you know, really took off last year. Uh, Ryan, I, I the next question that I have here, and, and it's an important question, but I know you, I know your answer. Uh, I want to know, you know, I, when I do drafts, I always try to do it from the from the back forwards or from the bottom up, and and understand where does depth just completely die out for me? Um, because if I don't want to be drafting. Um, for example, like say running backs at the end of the draft, then I will make sure that I have my my running back core locked in by the ninth round or by the 10th round so that I don't have to worry about running back after that. So uh, I'm going to ask you uh, a totally loaded question, seeing how your draft ended up. But where does the depth die out for you? At which position? Sorry, at running, at running back? back. At running back. Uh, I, it really depends what you mean by depth, because I think I've kind of said this, but after the top tier of running backs, they all look pretty similar. Like, I, I guess that means maybe there's a lot of depth. Like you can just wait and pluck guys down. I mean, I, I got mm-hmm. Sony Michelle at 11.7. I, he could easily have a starting role next year. Keyshawn Vaughn in the 12th round. Uh, he actually has a shot at starting for the Bucks. I We don't really know what that offense is going to look like, but he has a shot at a starting role. Like there's lots of these guys that you can say that about. So I don't think you need to really worry about running back after that top tier. Like you can definitely take values if they come to you. I really like Travis Etienne in the sixth round. I don't expect that to last. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really not concerned about it after the top tier. Yeah, it's really funny because I, I brought this question up last year and I, and I asked you the question because you took Sony Michelle in the 11th, Keyshawn Vaughn in the 12th, and then Justin Jackson in the 13th. So you were taking running backs until the draft end. The, the draft had to end for you to stop taking running backs. Uh, you you were not going to stop yourself. But uh, I, I asked this, brought this question up last year when we were drafting. And it was just like, if I'm not comfortable taking the running backs in the last few rounds of the draft, then I have to make sure, you know, let's say I want to come out of my draft with four or five running backs. I have to make sure I draft them by round 10 because I didn't like the names that were available after that. And I feel like this year, based on the way this draft went, that it's going to be flipped, that the running backs toward the end are a lot more intriguing to me than the wide receivers um, at the end, as opposed to how it was last year. You know, last year we were taking, you know, Gabriel Davis and Rashad Bateman 
in the 12th round in the 13th round. That's not the case anymore. Um, you know, now those guys are going and guys like them are going in the, you know, eighth and ninth round. Um, and the running backs, you know, are, are kind of getting pushed down as we didn't take a lot of running backs in the middle. So Eric, do you feel the same? Do you kind of feel like running back at the end is more interesting to you than wide receiver at the end? Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think there was a drop off, I would say in the, probably the eighth round, um, for running backs. Um, and then it just kind of flattens out throughout the rest of the draft. So, but yeah, I agree. I mean, someone like, you know, one reason I'm a little worried about say David Montgomery is because Khalil Herbert looked really good for the bears. They have a new coaching staff. He goes in the 12th round. Like I do think David Montgomery's good, but there is a chance that he's not their most talented running back. I, I mean, I don't know that for sure, but like a lot of these other running backs, you don't have that question. And so there's some guys like him and, you know, uh, Ronald Jones, who's going to be a free agent. I mean, I know we do this every year with Ronald Jones, but 11th round pick, um, that's pretty fun. So yeah, there's some interesting names. Kenneth Gainwell, like Gus Edwards, everyone has forgotten about. He was a, you know, a productive player for a zero RB team in the past. So yeah, I, I do think um, about rounds nine through 13 in this draft, uh, the running backs, you, kind of just got a, a lot of options and they're all pretty similar playing field. Yeah. Cause I feel like a lot of the wide receivers that I'm looking at between rounds, uh, say like maybe 11 through 13, maybe even 10 through 13. It's just, I don't know. It's not a lot of guys that to me scream like, Hey, this is a home run winning pick. Like I don't think Jacoby Myers, um, is a home run, uh, pick a wide receiver there. I don't think Nico Collins or Donovan Peoples Jones or Marquez Calloway, um, are guys that are going to be, you know, league winners at wide receiver or not even league winners, but just, just people who can really, um, make a huge difference for your team. And I think running back does have that. I do just yeah. want to add though, um, this mock was done without rookies. I think in a draft that has rookies, then that's gonna maybe even out a little bit. There's a lot more rookie wide receivers in this class that have a good chance of being drafted in the first two days than there are running backs. I, I'd be kind of surprised if we get any running back with NFL first round draft capital. And there, there could be like four or five wide receivers that go in the first round. So that could right. really even things out and add some more depth to the receiver position towards the end of these drafts, as opposed to the running back position. I also wonder too, if uh, a lot of this is a product of the fact that we're talking in February when um, every single one of these running backs, you know, uh, for the most part, you can squint and see a path to them being a, a very productive starting running back. Um, when we get to August, some of these guys that we're looking at now and saying, oh yeah, like Keyshawn Vaughn is, a, is an interesting upside pick or uh, Chuba Hubbard, you know, uh, McCaffrey's always getting hurt or um, whoever the case is, we, you know, come around August and we're like, oh yeah, but you know, he's he definitely doesn't have a path to like significant volume now. So that takes, you know, that excitement away that we're currently feeling. Um, is there anything else on running back uh, before we transition? I want to make sure we talk a little bit uh, about the uh, wide receivers throughout the draft as well. No, I think that hits on most of it. You're just, you just got to be ready to either chase these old running backs one more year or jump on board some of these injured young ones. And uh, you just kind of got to pick your poison here or just dodge them completely and draft receivers let's wait let's talk a little bit about that poison especially because ryan you said something earlier in the podcast that i just remembered right now um that there's uh about like five running backs uh in your top uh 15 or so that you are terrified uh of taking um do what are those running backs that you're just terrified to take at the top are they those old guys are they young players with risk what's your what's your poison that you're avoiding so I, I think you got it backwards. I think I said that there's about five that I'm not terrified to take on. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there you yeah. go. Which five? So uh, which, what's the poison that you are uh, looking to, to take then to, you know, what, what poison are you picking? 
So the 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 first one that scares me is Christian McCaffrey. I'm not like an injury prone, uh, like this guy's definitely going to get injured because he did last year type of guy. But I appreciate the upside with him. But at the same time, there is definitely some injury risk there as there is with any running back. Um, but then guys like Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara with a potential legal situation. I mean, Nick, Nick Chubb's price is actually kind of okay now, but he's still not the type of profile or the age that I would look for in a running back. Javante Williams, I don't think I can draft until Melvin Gordon inevitably resigns with the Broncos, and then I'll probably be into him at his new price. <laughs> the, David Montgomery can never do it. I, like there's just so many names here that I don't want to press the draft player button on. And I'm, that's a little concerning to me actually, because I feel like my teams are going to end up very similar. So I, that's going to be a pretty volatile and risky proposition for me in all my leagues this year. Yeah. So that, that right, sounds so- like you like Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, DeAndre yeah, Swift. Mixon. DeAndre yep. Swift. That's probably your group right there, right? Yeah. And then, yeah. And throw like Barkley on the end of that. And I'm, yeah. And then I'm pretty, pretty much good. Okay. Well, there you go. Everyone listening uh, in August, if you're playing in the league with Ryan Heath, uh, those are his targets. Uh, Just leave the rest of the running backs for him and uh, watch him squirm and not take running backs. Uh, Eric, do you feel like, is there an archetype of player that you're definitely, I know you mentioned the older running back, but are you more like, are you more concerned you know, some of these older running backs are people that have been so just absolutely steady. I mean, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, um, Alvin Kamara have just been absolutely, even Nick Chubb to like a, a slightly lesser extent um, have just been absolutely rock solid. So, uh, you know, does their age just, you know, scare you off of that reliability? Um, or are you more nervous about the guys like Antonio Gibson and Cam Akers and DeAndre Swift who have all of the talent in the world, um, but just haven't been able to put it together on, for an extended period of time yet? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm trying to bail on these veteran running backs this year. I mean, I just, I cannot take Dalvin Cook or Kamara in the top five anymore. I just don't think I can do it. Um, I'm, I'm way down on Ezekiel Elliott this year. Uh, so I think, I think it's more just draft capital as always, but um, I would much rather use, you know, kind of get ahead to, you know, the wide receiver rankings. Like I would much rather go for my top tier receiver, which is, you know, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and even getting into that second group. I mean, people sleep on Stefan Diggs, but I mean, he's just rock solid and he has been the last two years. So it's just it's at the point where there's a good nine or 10 receivers that I'm going to take above these aging running backs. Yeah. So let's, let's transition to receiver. Um, let's start at the the top end of, of your rankings and, and the top end of the draft board. And just how many wide receivers do you feel like are just absolute studs um, can anchor your team, uh, you know, up there in terms of, you know, it, I mean, obviously there's many, there's always going to be many tiers, but like how, just what's like the overall grouping of wide receivers you feel great about? I think there's a top 10 for sure. Um, And then in the 11 to 18 range, I think there's about four of them that'll pop out. There's just a lot of question marks in that range, but there's a good top 10 receivers that you can feel really good about their floor, uh, pretty good about their quarterback play. And then they also have big time upside. Who are, uh, give me, just give me a a quick, who are those 10 wide receivers? Yeah. So I'm right now I've got it at cup Devontae Adams, Tyree kill, Justin Jefferson, Jamar chase, um, that's pretty fluid. That's my first tier. Um, I've got Stefan Diggs, AJ Brown, Debo Samuel, CD lamb and Keenan Allen. Um, I, I think CD lamb is an interesting one. Uh, people are down on him. He hasn't quite produced what we thought he would. 
It's really just because of target volume, though. Um, he's had about as many points per target as Stephon Diggs has recently. He just doesn't get that crazy target volume. Um, he's not that far off of what Justin Jefferson did last year, like points per target. It's just we need that volume. He's only had 111 and 120 targets the past two seasons, Lamb has. But, um, you know, Gallup is gone. Cedric Wilson is gone. Dalton Schultz is gone. I mean, they could bring them back. But it is starting to thin out for Dallas. Uh, Elliott getting a little older. Maybe they run a little less. So, I'm still pretty high on CD Lamb. I, I I think if we can get that 140, 150 target season out of him, he's going to be just what we hoped he would be. I just I, I think I, I love that you mentioned Cedric Wilson and the key players that the Cowboys <laughs> don't have anymore because we all know the Cedric Wilson rule. When you're watching your TV, that's when Cedric Wilson does the thing. So yeah, uh, that yeah, definitely a, a big a big loss there for the Cowboys if they don't bring him back. Uh, okay, so that that top ten. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys that obviously have, have produced at high levels, um, and are players that we mentioned, I, I feel like I didn't hear you say DK Metcalf, um, and DK Metcalf is someone who went very high in this draft. I think, um, still has all the physical tools and will be drafted high, um, in, in leagues. Is he someone, you know, is it, what's the concern there with Metcalf? I mean, I've still got him wide receiver 14, um, and he's in that range, like like I said, where three or four could pop out and have a chance to be wide receiver one. So I'm not down mm-hmm. on him. It's just he does have Tyler Lockett competing with him, who's a legitimate number one receiver. Uh, this passing offense has just looked like a mess. We don't know what's going on with Russell Wilson. I'm assuming he's going to be back, but who knows? There's just a lot of questions there. Um, Metcalf maybe didn't develop into that complete receiver we hoped for. It was just a bizarre year. I mean, he started dominating when – Geno Smith was in there for a stretch and then Wilson comes back and he has his worst, worst games of the year. So I don't know. He did have that elite season last year. We had 17 PPR points per game. That was a really good number dropped down to 14 and a half this year. It's like Metcalf could blow up and be the wide receiver one. And it wouldn't surprise me. He's 25 years old, ton of good things going for him, but it's kind of just volume and having a legit number one along with him to, to take some of that work. I, I really just wanted to get you to to say out loud that Russell Wilson may not come back to Seattle, uh, <laughs> and just just I just you know I just I always want to stoke the flames of the fires. Um, okay, so for you, there's a top ten and then kind of a top eighteen. Um, Ryan, do you feel similarly about wide receiver? Um, is there a different cliff there for you? I think it's more like a top eight or nine. I, I think Ceedee Lamb scares me. I. I agree with Eric that he could take a big step forward um, with some of these players just not being on the Cowboys anymore. Maybe he does vacuum up more of a target share, but I, he hasn't been posting like the 25% target shares that we see from players like DK Metcalf and Justin Jefferson. Like he, he's been more closer to like the 20% range and he is efficient on his targets, but it is a skill to earn targets. Like targets are earned and, CD lamb hasn't been doing it as much as we would have hoped his first two years in the league. I, now I think that it's definitely possible. He takes a step forward, but he's just not in that tier for me. Okay. Um, where, where does the wide receiver cliff just absolutely fall off for you? At what point do you feel you go from drafting wide receivers that you are optimistic about, feel good about having on your roster to, I kind of need a guy for, you know, because I don't have enough on my roster, but I'm not, you know, particularly, you know, thrilled about the wide receiver that I'm picking. Uh, I think it's around, around 10 for me where it starts getting pretty scary. I mean, before then you've got a few interesting ones. Like 
I mean, I picked Rondell Moore. They've got a bunch of free agents for Arizona. He's got a lot of question marks, but um, 10th round, you're still getting some like Jacoby Myers types, but uh, that's really where it started falling apart for me. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's where the like late round cliff is. I thought it was um, at round nine with Kenny Galladay. I thought that's what well, you were going to say. Cause that, that scares me. Uh, Ryan, what about you? Yeah, I'll put it this way. I, I drafted Juju Smith-Schuster at the 806. I yeah. think after that is where I stopped talking myself into players having significant upside. Um, and th- I'll take it even a little deeper. I, I like Jacoby Myers in the 10th round. I, I think that's probably like the real firewall for me. After that, I just am not seeing a whole lot of reason to draft these receivers like Quez Watkins or Josh Palmer like I, I'm just not buying into those guys that probably aren't gonna even have inside tracks to starting roles if after free agency and the draft happens all right and then I there's a lot of wide receivers picked in the fifth and sixth round that um weren't going there this time last year either they they dropped significantly or they rose significantly and I just want to ask you if you believe um that they are like the, the rise or the fall is real. Um, so let's start with a couple of players that have really fallen. Um, Allen Robinson and Amari Cooper uh, were not being drafted. And and Robert Woods, all three of those guys were being drafted in like the second, third round, somewhere in there last year, maybe like late third for some of these guys. Um, do you feel that this kind of decline is real or do you expect them to bounce back? Uh, I worry about Woods coming off of a big injury. Um, he is going to be 30 years old. He plays a pretty physical style. He's a, a blocker. You know, he's just a, he's an all around good player, but I do worry about him. Um, Alan Robinson looked like he left, uh, lost a step. He could fall in the perfect situation. Sure. And get a lot of targets, but I, I worry about him as well. And Amari Cooper, it's kind of like, what are we waiting for at this point? Like he just kind of is what he is. And there are some team builds where you can use him, but I don't think a breakout's coming. So no, I'm kind of down on all three of them. Uh, I, I don't think I'm going to have any of them on my teams quite a bit this year. Ryan. Yeah, I agree. None get me extremely excited. I think of the three, Amari Cooper is probably the most likely to see a resurgence in ADP. I Just like we can talk ourselves into CD Lamb, suddenly capturing a higher target share with players leaving, I think the same thing applies to Amari Cooper. Uh, the Dallas passing offense was just really kind of weird this year, especially like towards the back half of the year so i think it's possible that come august we're just again talking ourselves into both lamb and cooper potentially having elite fantasy seasons all right and then uh three guys who uh really rose actually one of them may not have rose in adp but definitely uh rose in terms of the stock uh since he was uh, released after the trade deadline um but that's uh elijah moore odell beckham uh beckham obviously being the the guy who was released after the trade deadline uh, and Hunter Renfro uh, of these three guys who really are, have seen their stock uh, increase over the course of this past season. Um, which of these three do you believe the most? This is a tough group. I'm I'm going to be struggling with Hunter Renfro all off season, I think here, but um, I, I think I would probably buy the most stock in Elijah Moore. Uh, it's just, it's a good young quarterback receiver tandem we'll see how good his quarterback actually ends up being but I do think there's something to grow there he had really high target shares when he was healthy I mean he was getting fed the ball and so I I don't know I just I think there's more growth to build in there um so I I probably go with Moore as my favorite of that group I agree completely Elijah Moore proved that he's not just a slot receiver this year that was what we really needed to see from him I feel like he 
has every other tool that you could possibly ask for from an elite NFL wide receiver. So if the Jets improve even marginally this year, I think Moore is just going to skyrocket into the top 24 receivers. I hope to leave as many drafts with him as possible. This is kind of how I felt about Chris Godwin, like the year that he broke out 2018, 2019, whatever it was. I, I just see this as my guy that I'm really targeting in like the fourth round. I'll probably take him even that high. Yeah. And I like him compared to like Devonte Smith, just because I can just see that jets passing game having a lot more volume. And I just don't know what's going to come out of that Eagles passing game on a weekly basis. So I just, I could see them trailing and just throwing a lot and that's, that's Wilson's guy and he just gets fed the ball. So it's not always the pretty offenses that make these receivers. I think they're going to want to make more work here. Um, and then the the last group of wide receivers I want to ask about, they, they're all over the board, but I think they uh, have very similar through lines. And that's guys who we've seen the floor. The floor is below the basement, um, but we have also seen the upside. So which of these three at their price terrifies you the most? Uh, Calvin Ridley in the fourth round, Julio Jones in the sixth, or Kenny Galladay in the ninth? Um, I'm going to say... Julio, I, Ridley scares me a lot in the fourth, and I don't think I'm going to draft him in the fourth, but that could change on a dime. It's it's Julio in the sixth. Um, you, even someone like Hunter Renfro, which I'm not super high on, like he's going to give you consistent production all year long. And Julio was just not on the field enough this year. He's getting up there in age. He's got an alpha number one ahead of him. They want to run the ball. I, I think it's Julio for me pretty easily. Yeah, I would mostly agree. I will say that I think Ridley in the fourth is kind of outrageous given what we know right now. Um, I think I'm probably going to be treating him like I was treating Will Fuller last offseason as like kind of a fringe like end of round five, round six type of like upside pick, maybe as your fourth wide receiver, ideally. Um, So that's probably where I'd be comfortable with him given what we know right now. Uh, but if hopefully it doesn't end up like Will Fuller did this year. <laughs> yeah, I could have, I definitely could have added Will Fuller to that. Will Fuller in the 10th, but uh, I felt like, I felt like Galladay in the ninth was like already like, you know, if, if you're terrified of Galladay in the ninth, you you know, may not be as terrified of Fuller in the 10th, but uh, Julio in the sixth, I will say um, ECR um, he's down way, way, way down, way below this. Um, I believe he's like in the sixties at wide receiver. I don't know where you have him ranked Eric, um, but, I, but, uh, Julio's range of outcomes is absolutely wild. He's ranked as high as wide receiver 20. Um, and he's ranked as low as like wide receiver 80 something. So, uh, yeah. we've got, we're not at all, uh, in any type of consensus about Julio. Uh, so, uh, you yeah. know, I, I don't really know what to make of that. You might just have the guy in your draft that sees him as a wide receiver 20. So you never know. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to quarterback. Um, because I think, Actually, let's talk about tight end first because I think I think tight end quarterback really is on an island of its own at times. Um, tight end is at the very least it feels it feels a little bit more you know in line with running back and wide receiver. They feel a little bit more attached, um, at least for me. So let's talk about tight end. Uh, Travis Kelsey is the first one off the board in the second round. Darren Waller after him in the third round. Uh, Andrews, Kittle, and Pitts go in the fourth. Uh, do you think you're going to draft any of those top five if that is their draft day price come August? Probably not. I could see taking the last one available in the fourth, but if you can still get players like T Higgins in the fourth, Mike Evans in the fourth, uh, I'm going to be drafting them all day. So I'm probably passing on them all, but I do think Andrews um, at four one was a, a pretty nice value. So it's not that I'm against it. It's just the way I build my teams. Yeah, I agree. I can talk myself into any of those three guys in the fourth round. Um, 
but with Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller in the third, I'm, I'm just not all that interested at that price point. Okay. So then there's a, uh, Hawkinson goes in the sixth, got it in the seventh. And then there's a huge drop off until, uh, Dawson Knox goes in the ninth and then Fant, uh, Noah Fant, Logan Thomas and Pat Fryermuth go in the 10th. Um, are you more likely to find yourself drafting Hawkinson and Goddard there at around like round six and seven or targeting that next group of tight ends? I'm um, even going into the 11th round where Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki went. Um, where are you going to find yourself targeting tight end based on on this price? I actually think Hawkinson at 612 is a really nice value. I would take him there. I passed on him at 62. So um, it's kind of end of the sixth, early seventh where I would take him. But after that, I'm waiting as long as possible. I got Fryermuth. At 10.2, I think it's a pretty nice value. Uh, he just had a really nice rookie year for a tight end, and that's nothing that we should overlook. Um, but Dawson Knox at 9.10, Noah Fant at 10.6. I'd much rather take all these guys or even wait for Dalton Schultz at 12.9. So that's going to be my range generally. I don't think Hawkinson's going to last that long in a lot of drafts. I'm going to be in the, the 10th through 12th rounds picking these tight ends because there's a pretty good amount of depth. I know we say this every year about tight end, but uh, <laughs> there, there are some nice dart throws at least. Yeah, it does, I, it does feel like it does feel like a lot of the names that we see at the bottom are like kind of new to the tight. Like uh, we aren't we aren't looking at guys like there are some players like Gronk and Ertz who have hung around and, have you know, we're still drafting. But there's a lot of names in here. Dalton Schultz, um, Dawson Knox, Pat Fryermuth, um, even even guys like Fant and Kasicki, who are what maybe second or third year of being on fantasy radar. So they still feel if the tight end feels kind of fresh, it feels kind of new. I don't know. I'm I'm invigorated by the position. Yeah, I I agree. I really every year we pretty much see that every tight end after like the first tier is basically about the same. So I I think you can just wait until you get a guy you like at his ADP. I took Noah Fant in the tenth round in this. I wouldn't have minded waiting until Zach Ertz in the last round though. Like you can just do whatever you want at tight end at this point. Yeah, I, I right. will say in, in our draft, they fell a little farther probably than a home league. Like a lot of home leagues, you're, people are going to kind of fill out their rosters. Um, and uh, we, we're kind of more willing to wait till the very end and take whatever's left. So I think this is a little extreme, but you should be able to have a pretty good pick there in the 10th round still at tight end. There's also a lot more in home leagues of, of people picking a backup tight end for some reason, and in some cases, three tight ends. So I think in this league, uh, I think there was only two, maybe three teams that had two tight ends on it by the end of it, whereas in your home league, at least if you play with the people I play with, uh, like 20 tight ends get drafted, and I don't know why in a 12-team league, I should I clarify by the way ryan i think you need to uh last year you know you you wrote a really great um strategy article about uh league winning running backs a lot of overarching strategy there i want to see your article about what you just said um you should draft the guy that you like at his adp i think that was really insightful stuff what what incredible advice that i'm putting out on this february evening this is uh, <laughs> this is what you pay me for miles of okay, of the the <laughs> of the top five tight ends that both of you resoundingly said you were probably not going to draft at at you know in those first four rounds, I Eric threw out like a tentative like maybe if the guys that I like are gone, I'll <laughs> pick uh I'll pick the last tight end available. But uh w- like who of the top five are you the most into um at their price, and who are you like the the most out on um at their price? Man, at the price, I think it's Mark Andrews at 4.1. I mean, he was the tight end one last year, and I just think that's a really nice discount. I I, I hate to say it, but I think I'm out on Kittle at 4.7. They just use him as a blocker so much. It's 
he's good enough to be the best tight end in fantasy, but he just has these games where he just has zero floor. So I don't see that changing, especially with Lance coming in. I, I don't know. So I'm kind of out on Kittle and I hate it because I love him as a player. Yeah, I agree. Kittle worries me. I think Darren Waller in the oh. third round worries me even more though. Like that he just yeah. couldn't stay on the field this year. We, I, we have like a two year sample of him being pretty good, but he is getting up there in age now as well. Tight ends can play well into their thirties, but th- this is the type of player that I don't want to spend any draft capital in the first three rounds on. Like there, there's just so much bust potential here. I also feel like we didn't when Waller was healthy outside of one week at the beginning of the season, we didn't see the target hog um, that, you know, I, there's different archetypes of, of tight end and, and Waller was very much the, like, he's going to get 10 targets a game and therefore be elite. And he did have 10 targets in three games. Um, so I'm, you know, uh, obviously at the one nineteen target game at the beginning of the season, but he also had a lot of games where he had seven targets or fewer and he doesn't score touchdowns at the same rates as uh, Mark Andrews, um, you know, to make up for, you know, so, I mean, Mike Kosicki has seven target games. Like that doesn't, that doesn't make Darren Waller, that doesn't separate Darren Waller from the rest of the, of the pack. So I, I, that to me, I think is, is as much a concern as his uh, injury history to date. Yeah. Uh, looking, yeah. I think I do agree on Waller. That I, yeah, I, there's a lot of question marks there. Kelsey, he's getting up there in age, but hey, he's still producing. So I, I can he, I can understand the argument taking him early. No, really, really hurts to say that about Waller because I think I drafted Waller in every single league because I be- I believed in like the 15 target a game, Darren Waller or whatever whatever it was that we probably could have expected from him, and we did not get that. Uh, all right, let's finish it out with quarterback. Quarterback always an interesting position because. Um, First of all, I just want to say I think quarterback is the is the one position that like varies the most drastically between the type of league that you're in, uh, because if you play in industry leagues um, or if you play in uh, money leagues, even if they're not, you know, quote unquote, with people in the industry, you're not going to see quarterbacks get taken early. But then when you play in your work league, um, Tom Brady will go in the first round, uh, even though he's retired or maybe I don't even know. We, I don't think anyone knows if Brady's playing next year or not. He says he's retired knows but he'll still go in the first round in your draft next year so that's the that's the thing is quarterback is the one that you have to i think um be be ready to adjust on on the most um so let's let's start with what we have here and i'll I'll ask you guys about home leagues in a second but mahomes goes in the third um allen goes in the fourth and then lamar kyler murray and justin justin herbert go in the fifth i just want to point out this is the exact same set of names at the pretty much the exact same spots they're being drafted in last year, except instead of it being a Herbert there in the fifth round, it was Dak. That's like mm-hmm. it. Everything else is the same. So are we safe to, to say Mahomes, Allen, Lamar, and Kyler are the top four and that's it. There's no one else in the discussion. Yes, because of the the dual threat rushing and running. I mean, Mahomes is more passing than anything, but yeah, I, I think so. I mean, Herbert's knocking on the door. Um, so he, I, I think he can, he can, fight his way into that group. But yeah, I think it's a pretty clear top four or five at this point. I agree. That's the top four. Um, I will say that specifically in industry leagues, I think we might've gotten to the point where rushing is kind of overvalued in a quarterback. It has been like the hot thing to take the guy that's rushing for the last two or three years now. And I, I mean, you can really see it when you're looking at, these top quarterbacks on this board. I I mean, I just don't think that 
anywhere in the draft you're getting a steal on these guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jalen Hurts going in the eighth round, uh, Trey Lance going in the tenth. Um, so, well, oh, Trey Lance going in the tenth. Uh, okay, that might be a steal. Uh, <laughs> I can I can endorse that one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, a lot of the rushing quarterbacks go, uh, at the top. I mean, you know, like we said, Allen Jackson and Murray all going uh, before the, uh, the end of the fifth round there uh, before the middle of the fifth round, even, um, are you going to be drafting one of these five quarterbacks before the end of the fifth round? No, I am waiting. I'm going right back to my old late round QB ways. Uh, they kind of tricked us last year. We had some monster performances from the elite quarterbacks, but, uh, in 2021, Josh Allen led the way under 24 points per game. We had seen like a 27 point per game season the last two seasons before that. So the ceiling really fell out from the quarterbacks. And I just, I don't think we have enough of a slam dunk, just blowout performer this year. I'm waiting. I took Justin Fields as my quarterback at pick 11, just because it was more fun. I like the rushing upside, but I could have had Matthew Stafford there at 11.11, which is just like a free draft pick, probably the smarter, safer pick. So there's so much depth late in these drafts. You've also got like maybe Trevor Lawrence with an actual coach takes a step, you know, Russell Wilson fell to the 10th round. Like you mentioned Trey Lance, he's not going to go in the 10th round uh, here in a couple months, but uh, Jalen Hurts went at 8.7. He maybe he's up around that range. Like there's so many options from eight through 12 that it's really hard for me to justify taking one of those top five or six quarterbacks. Yeah. You, you mentioning the, the lack of the monster season um, on a per game basis, there were 11 quarterbacks uh, last year that uh, eclipsed 20 points per game. Um, all of them played at least 12 games. Lamar Jackson played the fewest at, at 12 games, but everyone, almost everyone played a whole season. Uh, and Tom Brady is the only one of this list of names that um, is likely to not repeat that performance. Uh, but Josh, and but the thing is, is that Josh Allen is at the top and he's only at 24 and a half points. And that's a four and a half point difference. Yes. On a per, on a per game basis. So there's, there are weeks where, you know, the top is going to, you know, get up to those 40 point games, but uh, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray, Mahomes, uh, Hertz, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, Joe Burrow, and Matt Stafford. Uh, and every single one of them is in line to do the same thing next year. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So there's just, uh, there's a ton of depth. There's safety. I mean, we haven't even gotten to those guys like, you know, Kirk Cousins are always sitting on waivers if you're a rookie quarterback bust. So, um, yeah, I would not draft early this year. I do think um, Josh Allen is the QB one. I think he has the most upside, but I'm not going to take him in the third or fourth round. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything that's been said here. Like the value proposition for those top tier guys just isn't there. I I'll say I I think it actually kind of makes sense to try to guess which like pocket passer is going to have the insane touchdown rate like it it was Brady this year and kind of Joe Burrow like it, it was Rogers a couple years ago like that there's usually a pocket passer that it becomes like the QB three or four just because he happens to throw a lot of touchdowns one year and that you can often get that player even after guys like Jalen Hurts so I I think that I don't know as far as who it's going to be, like how you're going to possibly try to predict that because touchdowns can be very random, but I honestly don't hate that mindset at this point. Yeah. Uh, Brady was the QB three this year, Stafford QB five uh, and Joe Burrow QB eight. I mean, all of those guys were being drafted. So none of these guys were like complete, like, Oh my God, out of nowhere, how could anyone have seen this coming? Um, so it's very, very possible that the person, the, the passers that do that, like you're saying, 
um, are people that are being drafted um, at the end of drafts. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's Trevor Lawrence. It's probably not. Maybe it's Zach Wilson. Probably not Zach Wilson. But Joe Burrow, um, you know, looked better than both of them combined his rookie year. But still, you know, coming back off that injury, there's enough questions about Joe Burrow that you could talk me into Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence being this year's Joe Burrow. Probably not. But, you know, you could talk me into it. Speaking of which, uh, Burrow goes in the seventh round. Um, is it for real, Eric? Was that is that a good spot for Joe Burrow? Are we overdrafting him now. I, I think that range is fine. I mean, I think for, as a, an NFL quarterback, obviously, I think he's for real. I, he's he's my favorite player in the world now, so I'm not going to say a bad word what? about him. But not uh, Evan McPherson. <laughs> well, uh, Joe Joe's running the the show here, but uh, no, I think he's going to be one of the most overdrafted quarterbacks this year. I think in home leagues and leagues where someone's in love with him, he's going to go so early. And without that rushing ability, I just Maybe they'll get the line fixed and he's bombing it away and it's like a you know a Herbert or a Rogers season from start to finish. But I think Burrow's gonna go two rounds early, especially when you can get, you know, Russell Wilson later, Matt Stafford later. Like there's comparable players to him. So I think the hype train's gonna get pretty out of control and I'm not gonna be drafted him much. Burrow's got to be the one one in any league that takes place uh, mostly in the Cincinnati, greater <laughs> Cincinnati area, right? Like any any home league you're in out there. Uh, any any family league, any work league, Joe Joe Burrow, what top five pick at least? There's a uh, an unhealthy amount of love for him right now. That's all I'll say. So uh, he's got about six different nicknames. Uh, just the outfits he's wearing, just everything going on. It's it's pretty wild here. You should uh, come visit. You can see what it's like down here. <laughs> I mean, I, even w- like with the ADP or not ADP, but where they went in this draft, um, I could I would not be in any way surprised to see the first four picks of your draft. I'll say the first five picks be Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, and then Evan McPherson. Um, That would in no way surprise me. Uh, Let's talk. uh, Which of these young quarterbacks do you like most at the spot that they were picked? Justin Fields in the 11th round or Zach Wilson slash Trevor Lawrence in the 13th. I like Fields just because I know the rushing abilities there. I know we just said, you know, maybe they're being overdrafted, but 11th round's not overdrafted. So give me Fields, give me a new coach. Let's hopefully get some upside here with Fields. Ryan, how did you already make an overrated sign that fast? And just see you waving around like you're on uh, at an NBA game. Overrated. I don't, I don't think Justin Fields is overrated at all. I'm, no, the, the I'm, rushing a bit, the rushing ability. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah, no, I yeah. With somebody like him, I think it makes sense because he he's one where the potential for him to be good through the air isn't really priced in at all. So that that's the type of risk that I like to take on a mobile quarterback. It, it's the guys that could become very good through the air at a reasonable cost. That that's really is what the thesis should be for the Russian quarterback. All right. And, uh, you know, in this draft, it, again, not a home league, not a, um, you know, not a deep draft with 13 rounds, 12 teams, um, you know, only about 15, 16, 17. I tried to count really quick. Uh, quarterbacks and tight ends went off the board. Who are your favorite late flyers that didn't get drafted here? Um, that I don't know if you can still see the draft board on sleeper, but just who's your late flyer that you don't think maybe got drafted in this draft that uh, people might have to pull in their home league when inevitably, you know, more players get drafted. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, two is interesting. Um, I, I think there's going to be a lot of volume there. They got a, a fun new head coach from San Francisco. So I, I think there could be a nice scheme there in Miami, get him and uh, Jalen Waddle going and that, that could be a fun offense. So I'll go with Tua for one that didn't make our draft. And he supposedly loves Tua as well. That's all the reports. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, I'll give you one at tight end. Actually, uh, David Njoku is a free agent. 
He is extremely athletic. He was highly drafted four years ago. I mean, if he goes to an offense or to a scheme where he's not being asked to block all the time, which is really his biggest issue. If you listen to the Browns coaches, then I think he has real potential to have a tight end one season and he's absolutely free right now. And unless it's like a crazy landing spot, uh, I think he'll continue to be. So that's someone I'm probably going to be taking a lot late at tight end. All right. And then uh, last question on quarterbacks. Um, I alluded to it earlier in home leagues. These guys get pushed up. Uh, Mahomes doesn't go in the third round. He goes at the end of the first. Josh Allen doesn't go in the fourth round. He goes in the second. Um, what do you do in home leagues when uh, every quarterback in every league gets pushed up, you know, one to three rounds more than you're comfortable taking them? I mean, I'm still going to wait personally. I mean, like I said, you're still getting I'm really good quarterback, maybe not Aaron Rodgers in the eighth round, but you might be able to get Aaron Rodgers in the sixth round or Russell Wilson in the eighth. Um, Jalen Hurts late. I just, I think you're better off going that route. Cause like, like we said, you can take a risk on these rushing quarterbacks and then fall back to cousins. Like however you do it, there are various ways to do this and you don't need to take one in the second round just to keep up with everyone else. Yeah. I think in the home leagues, that is where you look to like the lower end rushing quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts, Trey Lance, Justin Fields don't have like the brand equity built up that will push quarterbacks up the board in home leagues. So I think those are some good targets. All right. Um, And then finally, let's talk a little bit about Sunday. And by talk a little bit about Sunday, I mean, what's your bold prediction for the Super Bowl, I don't want to know who you think is going to win the game because, Ryan, if you and I say anything other than the Bengals, we get fired. Uh, so what is your bold prediction for something absolutely wild that only happens at the Super Bowl? You are like, wow, it's just the absolute, come on. Like this is the only, only at the Super Bowl does this kind of stuff happen. Um, what What's your absolutely wild? Uh, by, mine, mine, by the way, is that we are going to have another surprise musical guest. We have five people lined up for the halftime show and somehow they're going to sneak in someone that we weren't expecting. That's my bold prediction. Man, bold prediction. I, Gronk joins the Bengals. I don't know. He, he was kind of <laughs> hinting he wants to play with Burrow. Does that count? Gronk just signs last minute and joins the yeah, field. Is, does that work? Is that are we allowed to do that per per the I CBA? Think, Gronk. Can... I think it's fine. It works for me. So, yeah, Gronk, Gronk fills in for Uzoma with an injury and uh, is Super Bowl MVP. Wow. I, I feel bad for having like a serious Super Bowl bold prediction now. Like I, I, I don't know how we're going to go out on this, but every don't year worry, I've got one more. Yeah. So okay, okay. Perfect. Every, every year I always take the fat guy touchdown prop for the Super Bowl, which is an offensive lineman scoring or a D lineman, I guess, scoring a touchdown. Uh, it almost hit last year. Uh, what was about two inches away. I, that's my bold prediction is that, a lineman scores a touchdown. There you go. I love it. I think uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people. Keep an eye around the room at whatever Super Bowl uh, function you may be at this Sunday. Keep an eye around the room when sim- super small, innocuous things happen uh, to see who lost money on uh, the coin toss or the length of the uh, anthem or uh, you know who got the first completion or what the first song of the halftime show. Like you can bet on anything when it comes to Super Bowl. So just, just keep an eye around the room and just, just see what people are losing money at. Um, my, by the way, my, my final bold prediction is that in line with everything that has been happening this playoffs, the Super Bowl will find a way to end on a last-second field goal uh, one way or the other, last-second kick of some kind because that's the kind of playoffs we're having, and it will be a complete letdown if anything else happens, which means we'll probably get a repeat of 
whichever Super Bowl it was that the Rams and Patriots played in where absolutely nothing happened. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, hopefully you all have a great and safe Super Bowl. And uh, we'll see you next time we podcast.